Okay, so have you ever wondered, does prayer really work? Like, can God really and actually hear us? Do I have to say the right things? Like, do I have to speak in King James Version in order for make sure I'm saying the right words? Well, those questions and more uh, we hope to answer during this series, uh, because ultimately the goal for prayer that we want to get across and we hope you get is that it's a way for you to connect with your Heavenly Father. Now, typically, when we do a series, it's like somebody on the screen or somebody like me speaking for the next three weeks. And we'll do that. The next two weeks, I will be speaking. But we wanted to start this, uh, this series a little differently. We want to illustrate the power of prayer. And to do that, I've invited some of my good friends, uh, Brenda and Joel, to come and share their story. So whether you're a believer or not this morning, I want you to lean in and just understand what prayer looks like to Joel and Brenda and how it can translate to our lives. So would you give a super excited, warm welcome to Joel and Brenda to Jesus. Now, Joel and Brenda, we go way back, right? Man, you guys were some of the people who helped start this place. You moved over from our sister church, Gwinnett Church, and I met you when I started there. And that's why some of these people, they already know you. So this is like family coming home, right? Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your family. So I'm Brenda, and this is my husband, Joel, and um, we are South African, and we moved here seven years ago, and we've been married for 16 years, and we have two daughters. Um, Kiara's my eldest, she's 12, and Gianna's my youngest, um, she's eight. Man, and there's such a, oh, we got a picture, such a sweet family, and love that. Now, you, you can hear their accent. You said you moved from South Africa. Before you even moved, you knew about North Point. You were watching online, so you were familiar with this place, right? Yeah, it's, it's just crazy how God works in these circumstances. We, we had been streaming online, watching North Point online late at night because the time difference, and uh, we'd been watching um, that, and so when the opportunity came for us to, to, to move to the U.S., um, it was just amazing. We moved to the Gwinnett, and the Gwinnett Church had started, and we had a, had a church home. As soon as you moved here? Yeah, you're like, I already know where I'm going to church. That makes it easy. Yeah, it made it a lot easier. (laughs) That's awesome. Now, what prompted the move to come here? You know, I just think, uh, I think what we did as as parents, um, I think we did what what any parent would do and what every parent wants to do. I think we had looked at the situation in South Africa as far as education was concerned and and, and our children, and and they were getting to the school-going age. um, And we took the the difficult decision to, to move here because we wanted a better opportunity for them as far as, um, getting them into a system, a school system that they would be easier to transition for them. And um, yeah, so that we made the decision that it would probably be best to, to move to the U.S. for them. That sounds like a good parenting to me. <laughs> you wanted what's best for your child. Yeah, that's, that sounds like it. Now, and so that was your desire. But Brenda, you're in a little different boat when it came to moving over here. So I took it very hard and um, it was very difficult for me. I was a practicing attorney in South Africa. I had my own law practice, so I had to give that up. And I had to leave all my family behind. And we were so close. Um, We literally lived five minutes from each other. So um, that was so hard for me. And I, I resented Joel for a long time after we came here. I used to cry myself to sleep. And yeah, and he just said to me, try and integrate into the community. So... I did my best and I made friends with neighbors and people at school and people in the church. Yeah. Man, okay, so you went from practicing law full-time, owning your own practice, yeah. 
To what here? A full-time mom. And I tell you, <laughs> I always wondered what full-time mom did. And now I understand completely. It's harder to be a mom than to be an attorney. Oh, did y'all just hear that? <laughs> All the moms are like, amen. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? And for you, it was more than that. You told me you, were, you felt so in control in South Africa. But then how'd you feel when you came here? I, I felt I had no control and... I just was lost, and like I said, I resented Joel, because I thought you took me away from my family, and yeah, and it was just, it was one of the hardest periods, seasons of my life, but... God had a plan. Yeah, God had a plan. Because through this whole process, you guys moved over to get your kids into school to a better situation, better education, and you were like, this is going to be amazing. And then what happened, Joel? Yeah, so that's where it starts getting fun, I guess. Um, just first of all, any of you considering it, immigration is not for the faint heart. <laughs> so, so any of you who have been through that and know my story, I have a similar story. Immigration is hard, it's difficult, it's strenuous, so much things that pull you in different directions. Um, um, but like any immigrant, we moved here with a wonderful American dream. And we had this beautiful dream of how things were going to work out and how everything was going to be wonderful. And that dream very quickly became uh, a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> oh, what <laughs> so, happened? So, uh, yeah, we, we, um, we had uh, opened a restaurant and invested heavily in the restaurant, and we had certain issues with our paperwork. Uh, long story short is that our visa uh, renewal got denied, and it meant that we had to scramble around and, and look for alternatives in different ways. And at that point, I was advised by attorneys to, um, it would be best for us to self-deport and to sort out everything from back in South Africa. So um, I told her, it's summer's coming up. It's a great time for a vacation. In South Africa, I heard, it's wonderful for vacations. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, we go there for three months. Great holiday. I mean, this is going to be awesome. So we then went back to South Africa, self-deported, and left everything we owned, all our personal belongings in a home, locked up, and we're like, we'll be back in three months. This, this is not going to be bad. Great break. Wait, okay, okay. Your restaurant did not do well. You had to close it. Mm. At the same time, you self-deported because of all the paperwork and the visa not being renewed. Yeah. And you left everything here. Everything, yeah. Just, you didn't sell it all. You just left it. Because no. what? You were like, it's a vacation. We're going yeah. back to South Africa. It's yeah. winter there. It's not as hot, right? How, how difficult can paperwork be? I mean, we yeah. with a... Like a couple of days, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll get so three out. months turned into... 15 months of an ordeal. <laughs> 15, did y'all just hear that? Three months turned into 15 months. What happened? That was another hard season for me. But um, yeah, we, um, we went back to South Africa and we had sold everything there. So we moved into my sister's townhome with her. Did you just say townhome? Yes. With you and your two kids? Yes, and my husband. One room, four, kid, four oh, people. Oh my goodness! And um, and I um, tried to educate my child, homeschooled my child, for those fifteen months on Georgia standards because South Africa has a totally different. Well, and your goal was to come yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. So um, and yeah, and. I spent that stage of my life, that season in my life, I drew closer to God um, because that's all I had. And um, I spent so much time in the Word and I prayed so much. And 
in hindsight, I realize now that God was preparing me for a bigger battle. Oh, wow. So that was a tough season. Mm-hmm. I think you've described it as a wilderness. How are you feeling during this? Okay. My story isn't as good as hers. I'm like, I get jealous because she's like, mm, wonderful story. And mine's like, mine was tough. <laughs> mine was a, a little bit more ugly. Um, I, I, I struggled through that season. It was a real wilderness season for me as well. It was just a barren time. Uh, my ego took a massive hit. I, um, all of a sudden, I had this, everything was planned perfectly in my life. I, you know, I had investments, and this is how my retirement will look. And all of a sudden, that all blows up in smoke. And I... And I'm embarrassed. Um, here I am stuck in South Africa. Things aren't working the way I, I planned. I'm in a very difficult and hard time. And, um, you know, through all my struggles, and, you know, I said it before, it's like, you know, I kept praying, but I, I'm too shy to say it's, it's called prayer because it really wasn't prayer. I, I refer to it as conversations with God. Oh, conversations. <laughs> so angry prayers. Yeah. Are you, are you like, allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, it wasn't holy. <laughs> yeah, so it was difficult. It was, and it, was, it came from a very deep and dark place because I, I was angry and I was frustrated. and I, was, I, mean, I, I wasn't a bad person. I wasn't a bad guy. Uh, and I, I felt I didn't deserve what was happening. And it was happening. And, and God just kept me in that, in that season. And uh, for me, it just got put in my heart, you know, you've got to start writing. And I'm like, writing. I'm an accountant. I can't put two sentences together. He's like, you've got to write all these experiences down. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I started writing and that evolves. And, you know, I have, uh, you know, started writing a book. And yeah, that's where we're at. And these writings were while you're in the wilderness, which is what the book's going to end up being about, which we'll get to in just a second. So during that whole time, you're having conversations with God. <laughs> How is your relationship between you two? It was very hard. And yeah. I mean, we were frustrated with our lives, so obviously that put strain on our marriage. Conversations. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely conversations. <laughs> so then tell us, what, how did you get through? What happened next? Like, tell us that whole part. Yeah, so we, we stuck in South Africa 15 months. I'm like, okay, let me go sort this problem out. I go visit my friends at the, at the U.S. Embassy. I mean, so... They know you by now. You've been multiple three, times. Three times, Raul. Three times I pitch up there. I'm like, clean my case. And three denials, three like, you can't go back. And I've got like this red flag on my name. I can't return. Things aren't working out. I'm getting more and more frustrated, more irritated. Everything we own is in the U.S. We can't get back to the U.S. We've got a, a dog in the U.S. that a neighbor was looking after. And, you know, our lives is, yeah, we want to get back. And it can't. And I'm going through these battles and these difficult things. And I just felt God always saying, Joel, you know, um, I want you. And since I was a kid, I just always felt God calling me. And, I, and I'd been 40 years, and I said I was 40 years old, and I was 40 years. And God said, you know what? I'm, I need you. I need you, and I'm calling you. And I felt, okay, God. It came to a point where I was like, I'm done. I can't work this out anymore. I mean, I have tried every single thing. I can't. I give up. And I decided at that point I'm going to um, surrender it all, and I'm going to follow God's calling for my life. And I... Uh, looked after university in, in, the, in the US, applied to do my master's in divinity, um, study theology, and I got accepted. Wait, you uh, applied while in South Africa? While in South Africa. And got accepted while in South Africa yep. to a university right around the corner here? Right in, in Lawrenceville. So I'm like, okay, that works great. I still have to go visit my friends at the embassy. <laughs> so I'm going there, and without much hope, I mean, I've, 
I walk that path a couple of times and I pitch up there with a big file and I'm ready to plead my case. And Rahul, five minutes into my interview, the uh, person on the other side of the counter looks at me and says, okay, no problem, you're going to go study theology, uh, your visa's been approved, you can go. It's all, no problem. Wait, 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 wait. Five minutes. Five minutes. When you've been there three times, they know your name, you've got a red flag on your file. <laughs> yeah, five minutes, and God says, I'm, now you're in my world, and I leave there, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to quietly go before he changes his mind. <laughs> so, I mean, I get, I get to the car, I'm phoning her, and I'm in tears, I'm like, God has got a plan, I'm following, finally, I'm following God's will, you see how easy it is, they just have told me months ago. <laughs> of course, you were right, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's like... It made it so simple, but no, it, was, it wasn't simple. I think I just thought, okay, great. I'm in God's will. Everything's going to work out perfectly. I mean, this is great. Yeah, so everything happens. Everything falls in the line. You get your visa renewed. You move back to the States, back to the American dream, American dream and then what happens? So we were here for two weeks, and I'd been suffering from migraines, but I was used to getting migraines and I just thought it was because it was winter in South Africa and summer here. And um, on the 14th of August, 2019, I had two accidents, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. The same day? The same day. And um, I realized that I didn't have perception of depth. I couldn't see how far the cars were from me. And um, that afternoon, Joel drove home and he took me to the hospital for them to give me medication, what we thought was a migraine. And they did a brain scan and um, they diagnosed me with a brain tumour. Two weeks coming back. How did that make you feel? You know, Raul, it's just a, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to talk about. Um, you know, just to give you guys some context, like, you know, I, literally the day before, the 14th, we were now 13th, 13th of August 2019, I've just started my schooling. That's my first day at, at university. I am so excited about this whole process. Finally, I'm in God's will. Finally, I've arrived. And the next, the next day, she's phoning me. Um, she's had an accident. I'm driving back. I'm upset with her because... I told her after the first accident, don't get in the car again. <laughs> Who listens to me? And I'm like, uh, so I'm driving back. I'm fuming. I'm like, I'm going to sort this problem out. I'm going to ER. This, 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 this migraine is going to end. We're going to give her a good medication. And they're going to take care of her. And we'll be back home. And I'm like, all these emotions. And being at that point where I'm there, thinking it's, it's a migraine, we'll sort this out quickly, um, to having a doctor walk in and tell you, you know... Um, your wife has a brain tumor, and we are um, we're going to be operating on her. She needs immediate surgery. Um, literally, I know he kept on speaking and saying, describing what he was going to be doing. I didn't hear anything, and that's all I heard. And I just remember realizing that we had just moved back here, and I didn't have insurance. And I just remember bursting in tears and looking at him and saying, um, you can't do the surgery, I don't have insurance, and I can't pay for it. She needed immediate surgery, and you said, I can't, we can't do it. Yep. Because of finances. Because of finances, I didn't have insurance, and uh, I'm, I'm just in tears. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, how does this look, and how does it translate? I mean, I've got two little girls who need a mother. I don't want to be a single dad. 
um, and and in that process, I just um, give me a minute. Uh, I just looked at the doctor. I said, I don't know what to do. And he's just like, Listen, we're going to take care of your wife, and we'll worry about the finances when we need to worry about it. And um, Raul, just God is so so good. God is so good. In that moment, um, he, uh, sorry, he. You know, we, we got financial assistance from, from the hospital itself and they paid every, every penny of the surgery. <laughs> they paid it all? Every penny. Praise God, right? Yeah. And she had her surgery and she came out of surgery and, yeah, and we thought it was going to get better, but it's getting yeah, worse. So. <laughs> well, it, it got better because the brain tumor was gone. Yeah, yeah but... <laughs> but, so I waited three weeks for them to give my final diagnosis because the doctor wasn't happy with the first results. So yeah. he sent it to other labs, and for other, to other laboratories. And then I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, multiform, stage four, which is brain cancer. You just had a tumor removed. And, and then you hear you have cancer, stage four, yeah. which means what? They gave me six to 15, 16 months of life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Joel, where, what was your relationship with God at this moment? Like, what happened? Oh, we had much more serious conversations. More conversations, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just was like, literally at, at a point in my life where I was questioning this whole thing. I'm like, God, you know, finally I come to this point and I'm ready to give everything to you I'm ready to go into the ministry. And this, right now, why? Why me? Yeah. And, I, and I think people will know this. It's like, you know, it, it, these conversations with God, um, they can get ugly and messy. And I think I, I was just at a point in that stage where it was just like, you know, it was just a very, very difficult stage for me. But yours was different. Yeah. What were you t- telling God? You know what? Um, I decided... If you've been involved with anybody that has cancer and people give a time frame for your life expectancy, I decided I'm not a statistic. And I told that to my oncologist. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going <laughs> to far outlive the time period you're giving me. And so, yeah. And I, during this specific season, well, actually two weeks after surgery, Uh, I opened my Bible in Isaiah and um, I read the story of Hezekiah where the prophet Isaiah, um, God speaks to him and he goes and he tells Hezekiah, make your final plans, you're going to die. And then um, he leaves and then he comes and God speaks to him again. Isaiah cries out and weeps and Isaiah comes. Hezekiah cries and weeps and and Isaiah comes back and tells him, you know, um, God's just spoken to me and you have 15 months, 15 years to live. And I believe that that is God's promise for my life. So So you're you're claiming 15 years. Okay, hold on. So let me explain what just happened. You're reading your Bible and you read about in in Isaiah where he tells Hezekiah, you're going to die. Hezekiah cries out to God and God says, I've heard your prayer. You will now have 15 years to live. You're claiming that for your life. How long has it been since this diagnosis? August the 14th will be four years. 
Guys, can we praise God? They said 15 months. It's been four years. That's incredible. And you're saying 15 years. Yeah. That's your relationship with God. Wow. That's amazing. You know what? I was, when I was diagnosed, I obviously had questions, but I just decided it's a mental thing. And if I stay positive, uh, I can beat this. And remember, I have two, my, my eldest was eight at that stage and my youngest was five. I mean, I was a young mother and I didn't want to die. Yeah. And believe me, I'm ready to go. <laughs> wait, <laughs> but, wait, don't say that. <laughs> but, you know, I worried about him and my girls. And I, I would worry about me too. <laughs> <laughs> you would girls, worry about yourself. Yeah. Me, that's something to be worried about. <laughs> So, so what was your prayer life like during this time for yeah. both of you? Yeah, really, I think, for you I think um, in this whole process, you just, I can't explain, you're just trying to keep it all together, right? You're trying to just keep the pieces together and, you know, you, um, the outside, you're smiling and, you know, um, but inside the turmoil is just huge and you are struggling through all of this and I, I couldn't shake off the feeling that I've just been really let down by God, you know, and that's hard to say, but especially for someone who's staying to become a pastor, staying theology, I just felt that, you know, God had gone quiet. And that was hard because I'm supposed to be the one that holds it all together, that keeps it all together. And, and my life's falling apart. And, you know, I, I don't know if you guys, I, I just kept, God just kept put it on my heart and he said, you know what, you've got to keep praying, Joel. you just got to stay close to me. And I was like, you know, that, that little story about, Little fish called Dory. You guys know the fish, Dory? <laughs> just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> and I was just, just keep praying. Just keep praying. <laughs> and the whole thing is, is that at that moment, it was just a question of, you know, I knew that I didn't get the answer I wanted. I didn't know where this is all going. Um, I have a wife that's, you know, dealing with, you know, the brevity of what her life looks like and how we are trying to plan for what ifs. And I'm like, oh, no, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. I'm like, it's not going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that whole stress was quite, a, quite, a, quite an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. It's so interesting. Do you all get this? Two very different views of God and prayer. He's struggling through prayer. Like you're hurting. You're trying to keep it all nice and clean on the front. But on the inside, you're crumbling. You're trusting God. You're like, God, you got this. I'm going to claim it 15 years. It's been four years. We got this. It's so interesting to see the dichotomy, but yet it's the approaches we can both come to God. Now, the other thing is you're not free and clear. No. It's not like I got 15 years, I'm good to go. It's like, tell me more, like you still have to go back for scans and stuff, right? So I, until March, I used to go every three months because I had radiation necrosis, which is damage to the brain tissue from radiation. Oh, wow. So um, I used to go every three months and March, my um, radiation, Oncologist, oncologist said I can go every six months. Oh, that's good. Which okay. is a big praise. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hard, but I, ha- I trust God. And, you know, I know that if you, God gives us trials to build us up and to strengthen our faith, and to let, let other people hear our testimony. And that's what I believe. Well, and through this whole time, 
God's been using your story. Even within your own community, like you didn't walk this alone. So like you probably wouldn't have been able to make this alone, right? Tell us more about your group and your community and what God's done through that. Yeah. You can also. <laughs> go ahead, Joel, you can go. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think for us as, as, as a, a couple, you know, going through that emotion of having a whole world collapse around you, um, I think we had people coming into our home. I mean, we were the one, the one, um, the one day we had our, all our neighbors just pour into our house and everyone is laying hands on Brenda and everyone's praying. We had a small group that just literally God had handpicked them. I say this to them the whole time, handpicked them to be walking that journey with us. And, um, you know, we had the church reach out to us and we had prayer at, at Hamilton Mall Church with the elders of the church and just these small things that God kept on working through. And I think us and the whole preparation, everything that we've been through um, where God led us to that point, us just sticking to prayer and sticking to God's word, you know, um, I just, for her, you know, she had all these power verses, man. Joshua 1 verse 9, be strong and courageous. And I'm like, wow, that's like a real good verse. And I'm like, God, give me something. And God's like, you know, just turn to Corinthians and, and, and I mean, 2 Corinthians. And where Paul is really just like, you know, he's writing to the Corinthians. He says, I pleaded with God. I begged God three times to take away my hurt, to take away my pain. And I just, that's what I felt. I felt God telling me, you know, God, just please help me. This can't be going on. I mean, where does it end? And in that process, God's response to Paul is God's response to each of you because each of you have your own battle. And our stories are different, but they're all the same. It is all a story of being broken and coming to God and saying, dear God, please help me with this. And God's response is always the same. My grace is enough for you. And in your weakness, in your failure, that's where my glory shines the best. And as you know, that's very theological and a lot of things. You, but when, when, when you're down in, in, in the dumps and, and that phrase and, and, the, and that verse comes out, it's like God's grace is enough. And we are weak and there are things that are broken in our lives. But God says, my grace is enough for you. Whew. Gosh. Um, oh, i got to compose myself. Um, I love that he gave you guys scripture to use. And you said that what Paul, what he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And for you, it was be strong, courageous. In fact, you both have used those as prayers, haven't you? Like you were saying that during chemo. Radiation. During radiation. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I used to, if any of you have ever been through something like brain cancer, so um, they do like a mask that they clamp you in and, and I'm claustrophobic, so that for me was, and I had to do that for six, week, for six weeks every day. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, so I used to pray scriptures over myself while I was lying there, and they would play Christian music for me so I could hear it. And um, you know the song, Do It Again by Elevation Worship? I love the bridge there that says, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe you'll do it again. You are so faithful, God. And, and that's what I prayed over myself. I just kept myself positive and, yeah. And I love that that's what you used to get you through. 
And you both are doing it in different ways, but your prayers are very unique. And that's what I love is our relationship, our conversation with God is unique. It's based on what you need from him. And I love that you believe he heard you. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah, of course. Obviously, right? And it doesn't mean that it fixed everything. No. But for Joel, does that bring you comfort? Like when you did that? Yeah, I, I think, Rahul, I think when you talk about comfort, you do feel at that moment is that God is with you. And, you know, God in, in scripture tells us, Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, all who are carrying heavy things. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's God's message to us. Is come, I will give you rest. You can't find it in the world, but you can find it in, in the arms of God. And, and that's what we do is pray. And it's that same God that says, come. It's that same God that says, go. Once you've rested, once you've come into my home, come into my arms, and I've given you comfort and rest, I'm going to send you. I'm going to say, go. Go and tell the world about me. Go and tell the world about what I've done in your life. And we put up our hands and we say, look, God, that's what we're here for. This is not my story. This is part of his story, what he has already done, what he's given each one of us. Our stories are different, but they're the same. Our stories are unique. But in our stories, it's all interwoven with what God's story is. God's story is, I love you so much that I gave my only son that I can be with you forever. And he's doing that. He's already proven himself faithful. It's not like a, there's a bow tied at the end of this story. It's not like a happy movie. But yet people have come to know Jesus and chosen to follow Jesus because they've heard your story, even in your own group, right? And so through that, he is using you. You're writing a book. We talked about that, right? And that's going to help more people know what you've been through. And God's going to use that. That's the glory that's going to come out of that. What's the title of that book, by the way? The title? Yeah. So it's just weird. I, while going through this, this turmoil in my life, people come up to me and say, hey, Joel, how are you doing? I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm alive and kicking, <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just surviving. <laughs> and that process of being alive and kicking, just surviving from day to day, God says, I don't just want you to survive. I want you to be revived. And the title of the book is not Alive and Kicking, it's Revived and Kicking. <laughs> because God's got a plan for you. And that plan is that you come out of your wilderness, you come out of your desert, and you're ready to give him glory. Man, amen can't wait i can't wait to read my copy that you promised you'd give me <laughs> signed um, yes yeah, signed yes <laughs> well uh, any closing thoughts brenda anything you both want to say you know i just say that i really believe in the power of prayer and you know i changed everything in my life i haven't taken sugar in four years i minimized my carbs to less than 20 grams a day i can try and do everything physically here but if you do not submit to God and pray to Him and trust in Him and have faith, I believe that He has healed me and I don't speak cancer over my life. Mm. I believe I, the doctors are wrong. <laughs> I have cancer. So, Amen. <laughs> and that's it. I believe in the power of prayer. And if you like me and you're going through something, just go down and pray and just, He won't answer immediately 
but just trust in him and have faith. Yeah, I think for me, Rahul, is like in this whole turmoil and all these things is that, you know, I, pick, I picked up on, a, on a, a quote from Mother Teresa and if you know the story of Mother Teresa, she, she gave up everything. She was surrounded by suffering and she suffered immensely to see people suffer around her. She gave up her life in service to these people. And she said something about prayer that really stuck to me and I something I want to share with all of you. It's a quote and it says, prayer is not about asking. Prayer is about putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. And I don't know how that hits with each of you, but I don't know if God's going to answer your prayers. I don't know how that looks. But what I do know is that it changes you. And sometimes prayer is not about getting what you want. But it's about you changing and turning your eyes to the creator of the, of the world. Wow. Thank you. It's so interesting to hear your story and how you're describing it, you know, because yes, the doctors know what they're doing, but at the same time, God has better plans. And what I hear from your story, it's a story of control, not a lack of it. It's more of a realization. Like I love what one of you said when we were talking about this, you said, prayer is not giving up control. It's trusting the one who is in control. That's Huge, And what a great perspective to have in life when we can't have control or we don't think we have control, right? And yet at the same time, we can trust a God who is and that he has good plans for us. In just a moment, um, I'm gonna ask Joel to pray to close this. But before that, I wanna say, after he prays, we're gonna sing a song and it's called Good Plans. And I don't know where you are at with hearing today or where you are with God. Maybe you need to sit there and just listen to the lyrics as a prayer over your life because you're like, I don't believe God has good plans for me. I'm not sure this season right now he even hears me. Or maybe you're there and you're like, I want to believe that. I want to have faith. I want to trust him. And then sing those lyrics as your prayer that you would believe that. Um, And if you're not a believer, I implore you, just listen to the lyrics and trust that God hears from you when you speak to him. And he will do great things in you and through you for his glory, which is what's happening here today. And that he is the one you can trust. You can fully depend on him because he is in control. So Joel, would you mind praying for us? Then we'll sing that together. Absolutely. Dear Jesus, my God and Father, as we quiet our hearts and our minds, we come into your presence, Lord God. And we just say thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, Lord God, that you are God that says, come. My arms are open and I'm ready to receive you. Thank you, Lord God, that your words are there, that we can come back to you, Lord God. For every person in this church today, Lord God, that is broken, that life's got the better of, thank you, Lord God, that you t- invite each one of them. Come, I will give you rest. I will comfort you. Thank you, Lord God, that we can know that when we come and we rest in you, Lord God, in prayer, that, Lord God, we are ready, Lord God, to go and tell the world about you, Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, for this church. We thank you for Pastor Rahul. We thank you for each person that gives so much in this church, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that we get the opportunity to be for you, from for this community, Lord God, and for each individual, Lord God. I just pray, Lord God, that your spirit work through each person, Lord God, and that the words that we have shared today and the story that we have shared today, Lord God, that will be for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.